Last time on Improv Tabletop, we had followed our heroes Pennysworth McScrooge, John Paisley, and Bingo Dingo into the irradiated outback after the nuke had fallen, sent from the Canadian government because they're declaring war on the world. Surprise, surprise. They headed out through the blasted wasteland and along the way ran into some interesting perils. Some giant helicopter-sized mosquitoes, which they fended off with running and bug spray. Some human-sized quokkas with a taste for human flesh that they managed to convince to come to their side and they would join together to go out and tackle the outback together. But before long... Some tensions had risen within the group. Loyalties were tested and tried. Power dynamics were shifted. And we were left with an unconscious Bingo Dingo being slung across Gentry's back as they continued through the outback. But before long, they ran into a warband known as the Brotherhood of Brass. What happened after that? Let's find out in the world of the Fallout Back. What's shaking? You're listening to Improv Tabletop, the Fate RPG actual play where we make up everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Caleb Anderton, the unconscious tour guide. Uh, Evan Peterson, the uh, rich, rich, rich guy. Justin Porter, the dad with a plan. All right. So, getting back into it... Breaking news from the front lines of the Australian outback. Factions have begun to gather together, rolling throughout the entire wasteland in large bands, taking prisoners where they can and leaving no prisoners where they have to. The most significant and ferocious of these war bands is known as the Brotherhood of Brass. It has already been recorded that they have slaughtered thousands of individuals on their path throughout the outback, and we pity anybody who finds themselves in the hands of such an individual. Next, weather with Sandra Jimenez. (laughs) All right. So as we pick up with our heroes, they have been captured by the Brotherhood of Brass, and we find them in a ramshackle containment cell made of sticks and bits of rebar jammed into the ground, pounded in with stones. So they're in this cage on the sand. And we're going to uh, build up this world, but I'm not going to do that myself. I'm going to involve the players a little bit. I have not been uh, utilizing Fate to its full capability, just to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. We mostly play D&D, so we're a little bit new to this. But I want to highlight a rule within Fate Accelerated called creating an advantage. Uh, This is an action that you can take, much like attacking something or trying to overcome something. Uh, But what's cool about creating an advantage is you can use it to either gain free invocations on aspects that you already know about, or you can use it to create new aspects. So what we're going to do is we're going to go around and we're going to create some new aspects. Uh, Our players are going to state something they see around them, and then based on how well they roll, that's going to determine how advantageous that aspect is for our team of players. If you succeed, you create the aspect and you get a free invocation on it, or two invocations if you succeed with style. If you get a tie, then the aspect is created, but it's only a boost. It only lasts for one invocation. And if they fail, the aspect is still created, but the enemy gets a free invocation on it. So that's where the tension's going to come in here. So let's take a look around at this war camp of the Brotherhood of Brass. 
So let's start with Bingo Dingo. You have awoken by this point, and we'll get to the social ramifications of that later. But what does Bingo Dingo see as he looks around this camp? So Bingo Dingo uh, was thrown into the corner, was kind of slumped with his face facing out back to the rest of the group. So they don't see him wake up necessarily yet, but they hear some some sad sniffling over from that corner. And uh, he looks around... And sorry, the question was you asked me, what does Bingo Dingo see? Yeah, so we're going to create some aspects for the war camp that you guys can use later on to your advantage. All right, so there are several, probably, you know, a good 10 yards away from the cage in the direction that Bingo Dingo is facing. Uh, there are some of those corrugated steel storage containers, um, maybe like five or six of them piled on top of each other kind of haphazardly. All right. So based on that, the aspect that I'm going to create for us here is what spoils has the Brotherhood gathered? Just to make sure I'm understanding, those are the uh, steel containers like go on the giant uh, ships, like the shipping containers? Yeah, exactly. But, okay. you know, maybe not quite so large. Okay. So now that we have defined this aspect, we're going to see how advantageous it is for you guys. So go ahead and roll. Um, we're not going to modify it, and we're just going to compare that with a challenge of a flat zero. I rolled a plus one. Plus one, that is a success. So you have created the aspect, what spoils has the Brotherhood gathered, and you guys are going to get a free invocation as a team on that aspect. So maybe you'll be able to find something in those shipping containers that you can use later on. Going around the horn to Pennysworth McScrooge, what do you see going on around you in the camp? Uh, this camp is in order to, uh, avoid some of that insane Australian sun that has only gotten worse during the fallout. Uh, while our cages are out in the sun, they're just outside the mouth of kind of an overhang, wide open cave sort of system that just goes back just enough to, uh, provide some shade and get some, it's a lot cooler in there. All right, so we're going to give it uh, the aspect, an area of relaxation. So since you guys have been here in this area of relaxation, you've had some time to actually cool off while the Brotherhood of Brass themselves are out there toiling in the sun, you may be able to use that to your advantage. So go ahead and roll for that. So with these new fate dice we're using, uh, it's quite rare to get a roll like this, but that is a minus four. <laughs> minus four. Ouch. That is a, yeah. That is one of the two least likely rolls that you could possibly get. Um, yeah. You can spend a fate point on that if you would like. Uh, otherwise, the Brotherhood of Brass will get a free invocation on this. Uh, I mean, the way, I mean, we're prisoners and they've got control of us, so I'll let them have it. It makes sense that they get the relaxation and we don't, so. All right. And then uh, we'll come around to John Paisley. What do you see here in this camp? So I see... An area with a tent covering with all the spoils of people that they've murdered, like suitcases from tourists and, um, yeah, just like things that they've stolen from people. A lot of suitcases from the tourists they rounded up and they murdered, you know, kind of like us. Cool. So the aspect that I'm going to give this is called, they're not going to use it. <laughs> so there's some more stuff here under this tent. Let's go ahead and have you roll for that to see how well you do. A flat zero. Flat zero. All right. So since we have tied, that means that this aspect is only going to be a boost. So it can only be used once and then it'll disappear. 
Is that once by each of us or once for our whole team? That'll be one for the whole team. Okay. And I can use a fate point? Yes, you can use a fate point to improve that. I'm going to use a fate point. Nice. Go for it. Do you want to do the plus two or the reroll? Plus two. All right. So this is now a full aspect. It will continue to stay there and you guys get two free invocations on it as a group. Sounds good. And I'm going to add one aspect of myself. Um, As you guys look around, there is a lot of ska being played here in this area. Maybe that's why you're not quite as relaxed as you could be. Um, It's because, you know, there's just big brass sections right next to you as you're trying to sleep. So there's people playing music. There's people dancing around. So the aspect that I'm going to give this camp is full of skankers, (laughs) which uh, for anybody who might not be aware, skanking is the official dance of ska music. So uh, there's a lot of noise going on, a lot of dancing, potentially distracting. And I am going to roll... Uh, I'm going to roll on behalf of Gentry. Why not? Because Gentry's great and I love him. He rolled a minus two. So the Brotherhood of Brass gets a free invocation on this full of skankers aspect. Makes sense. They're the skankers. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just going to add some of these free invocations. Uh, So yeah, let's just go through those aspects again real quick. What spoils has the Brotherhood gathered? There are these big, big, massive shipping containers. Maybe something a bit more significant is hidden in there. You guys have one free invocation on that. There is an area of relaxation, which the Brotherhood has an invocation on. There is a big old table full of things that other people aren't going to use. You guys have two free invocations, and the Brotherhood gets one free invocation on this place being full of skankers. So, now that we have set the stage Uh, We've got the physical surroundings. Let's take a look at what's going on emotionally with our friends here. So I'm very interested to see what's going on with Bingo Dingo, first of all. You have just had your place of prestige ripped away from you, and you're lying here kind of crying in the corner. You guys being caught by the Brotherhood of Brass, you haven't heard the news coming in over the airwaves, but you guys can tell that these guys are pretty ruthless. What has Bingo Dingo left behind that he has left to lose? Well, that comes into some of the reason that Bingo Dingo is crying. Because he has nothing. And he he sniffs and turns around and he says, You all stabbed me with my own tranquilizer dart. And I have to say, I have a bit of a confession to make. I'm not Australian. And my name's not Bingo Dingo. My name's Fred, and you guys were absolutely right. I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. This isn't real. I just went through a really, really bad breakup, and I just had to get out and away, and I figured that becoming a tour guide would be a really good way to do that, and I... I, I, I don't know anything about this. I just kind of threw some stuff in a bag and I looked a few things up on Google and that's it. And now there's, you know, this nuclear apocalypse thing. I just... It's been a rough week, you guys. So, uh, Mr. Dingo, are those tattoos not real then? No, not at all. They're they're the, you know, the kind that you... The temporary ones, they're not even real. <laughs> and it's not, it's not Dingo. It's just Fred Feller. Did Fred Feller, did you purposefully wait until the only moment so far where I couldn't enjoy this to come out and say it. Because if you had said this any time in the past, I would have laughed, said I told you so, felt very good about it. But funnily enough, I hit the cage. It's hard to feel 
good right now. Let's uh, dig into that emotional state of Pennysworth and McScrooge a little bit. So we know that Pennysworth is lonely. We know that he is incredibly wealthy. Uh, and we know that he's here on vacation. What is Pennysworth trying to escape from back home? Uh, Pennysworth, he thought that he was getting bored in his very privileged lifestyle. Uh, and he came to Australia and kind of accidentally got roped into this and almost immediately realized that he uh, quite enjoyed his privileged lifestyle and he wasn't giving it enough credit. Uh, but he was trying to, uh, he was feeling complacent. And uh, now he's wondering if that complacency might have actually been a good thing. Mm. So he's really pining for what he had back home. Mm -hmm. But when he was back home, he was pining for something else. Mm. Sort of never satisfied. It's the the malaise of decadence. I know some of those words. <laughs> All right, let's get back into uh, the moment. Pennysworth has just slammed his fist up on the side of the cage. Um, boys, boys, guys, where are the, my boys? Where are my beautiful boys? And as you uh, go ahead and roll a clever check to see if you can figure out what has happened to them. Flat zero. Flat zero. I mean, they're not here. That's for sure. My beautiful blue-eyed baby boys. Now, hey, don't don't worry. Don't. I'm sure they're not far. I mean, this is a pretty small cage. They they probably just couldn't fit us all in here. All right. They're probably in a different cage. All right. This is the perfect time to panic, Hugh Jackman. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> it wasn't meant to be. My boys are lost and I'm stuck in this godforsaken country. I miss home. I miss America. Penny's worth. Back me up on this. Look, not to argue with you all about cage size, but uh, I don't think they're pining for it since they had enough room for this guy and I lift up a dead body that's been sitting in the corner. Huh. Yeah, so... I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that the guys we're dealing with aren't too nice. And if we're gonna do anything about it, then we need to be not nice back to them. That sounds like a good plan to me. And as you look out through the bars of the cage, you can see the next cage over. There are your Quokka friends trapped up inside of this cage. And you see Gentry is at the back of the cage with them. Hey guys, uh, Gentry, I am so glad to see you. Uh, got any, got any good plans? Any of you? Well, I have a massive hankering for human flesh. Ever <laughs> since I got irradiated and turned into a giant monster, I think if I could find a way to satiate that hunger, I could cause a lot of damage. I mean, can you gnaw your way out of your cage and then go attack the guys that put us in here? I can sure give it a try, but as soon as we get out of here, there's going to be a big ruckus, and I want to make sure that you guys have your egress planned before I try and do all that. Good point, good point. Um, I don't know. I'm not the leader anymore. Penny's worth. What should they do? Uh, I wanted to be the leader when I thought you were a fraud, and now that I know you are one, this is a lot of pressure. You know what? Shut up, Mr. McScrooge. You shut your face. And you see Gentry has stood up from the back of the other cage and he's stormed over towards the side closest to you. And he says, I have dealt with so much guff from you. I have dealt with so much verbal abuse and I am ready to just finally get my dues. So, and then he turns back to um, John Paisley and he says, 
Now, I told you something, and he looks back at Painsworth and says, I told him about my history in the Marines that you told me not to tell anybody about, and I think it's time to use that knowledge to our advantage so we can get out of this place. Gentry, you were like a son to me. Like like a son in a Charles Dickens novel or something? What the frick? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, come on. It's, it hasn't been that bad, right? I just... I just... How old is Gentry? Because I always imagined him being like Alfred from Batman, like old. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. Uh, that is a good point. We'll let uh, we'll let Evan say this. He's your manservant. He came from your brain. Uh, how old would you like Gentry to be? Oh, that's funny because I was always picturing Gentry as like a twenty, like three year old, like fresh out of college young kid. <laughs> Man, that's interesting because I saw him as being like thirty eight and balding. Man, that's funny. We all thought of different things. All right. Well, uh, for all of our fans who want to create fan art, we have canonized. Gentry is a young, fresh out of college individual. There we go. Well, who also has a history in the Marines. Yeah. At yes. the at the age that he would be fresh out of college, he was deployed. He didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. That's why he has to work as a servant. Got it. Well, Gentry, I if, if you have an idea of how to get out of here, we're all ears because if you don't, I have one, but I don't really want to reveal that yet. Uh, well, if you say it like that, I think I really want to hear what your idea is. <laughs> yeah, come on. I, all right, all right. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I am a very Second Amendment rights activist, and I pull out a pistol that I've been hiding in my <laughs> in the back of my pants this whole time. Yes, I planned that. It, in, this whole time, he's been having a pistol in his back of his pants. And I'm like, I can blow the lock off this thing, but there's going to be a lot of people after us. Hey, uh, guys, I mean, remember when I said that I carry like 27 different sharp things on me at any given point? I'm pretty sure they only found 22 of them. So I've got like five sharp things to hang out here. Okay, so we have firepower and we have sharp things. I've got money. (laughs) Maybe I can bribe them. Well, here's, here's what I'm thinking. I've been watching people going into those big shipping containers out on the distance there, and everybody walking into those places looks like a mechanic. So I'm guessing that's probably where they're fixing up these big old nasty war machines that they're riding up. And if we can figure out how to get our way over there, we might be able to bribe the guards. What is the state of this lock? Is it old? Is it something that I could possibly break with the hilt or with the handle of my gun? Uh, since you have brought forth this aspect of you having this gun, go ahead and roll to create an advantage and we'll see how gnarly this lock is. Oh, plus one. Plus one, yeah. So it's not a very strong lock. It's something that you probably could break with a nice solid pistol whip. I'm going to try to do that. All right, if nobody else is going to do it, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to get it out of here, get us out of here so we can find my beautiful baby boys and get back to where we need to go. And I just continue to whack the, the lock. The suburbanite dad just whipping out a pistol and slamming the lock is just like breaking my brain. <laughs> he just like went up a lot of cool points in my brain. All right, John, go ahead and roll to attack this lock. Do I add anything to it? Yeah, go ahead and attack it forcefully. Okay, I'm going to use a fate point and re-roll that. Gives me a plus one. Plus one. All right, yeah. It takes you a couple nice hits, but finally you do manage to get the hit just in the right place on the shackle. Or, what's the name? I can't think of the name of, like, it's the loopy thing. The loopy thing that goes into the blocky thing. You smack that. Is it called a bolt? 
I people are going to tweet at me what the answer is. I have to find it real quick. Hey, do you guys want to hear about my ex-girlfriend? Her name's Sheila. She was pretty bad news, so it's probably a good thing that we broke up, but it's been really rough, man. Okay, it is the shackle. I was right. Okay, so now people don't have to or tweet Or the at shank. Me. Ah, shanks. Those would come in handy as well. In fact, Gentry has one that he carved out of a piece of rebar. So, yeah, you take your pistol and you pistol whip the shackle a couple times and you finally hear it snap uh, with kind of a soft ping and you're able to pull it off and the door is now ready to be open uh, if you guys are ready to set this plan into motion. Bingo. Mr. Fowler, whatever your name is, I need a sharp thing. Oh, uh, yeah, here, here you go, man. Uh, d- do you want the knife with the full tang or no? With the, with the full tang? Full yeah. tang, Mr. McScrooge. It means that the metal extends all the way through the handle. Gentry, it's like I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> Just give me a knife. Here you go. Full tang. Okay. I guess let's uh, go try and break them out so that they can eat the bad guys. All right. You guys steal yourselves and with a sudden rush, push open the door. And sounds like you're heading towards the next cage over to try and break those guys out. So let's go ahead and since the action has begun, let's go ahead and get into initiative. Uh, That doesn't necessarily mean that the Brotherhood of Brass has noticed yet, uh, but I'm going to just secure their place in the order for such a point as when they are ready to act against you. So everybody go ahead and roll with quick. Plus three, flat zero. Plus two. So we've got... Fred, and then Penny's Worth, and then we've got the Brotherhood of Brass, followed up by John Paisley. So, Fred, you guys have sprinted your way over to the next cage. How would you like to try and free your quakas? Uh, Fred's gonna run over, take out one of his sharp things, uh, one of his, you know, smaller knives, and try to just shove it into the lock and, you know, forcefully pick it open. All right. Yeah, go ahead and roll with forceful then. Plus four. Oh, wow. Yeah, you jam the knife blade up in there. And what Fred Feller doesn't quite know about wilderness survival, he does know about lock picking, it turns out. (laughs) And so you shove the blade up in there and give it a nice little twist. And the shackle pops out and it is now open. And as soon as you've gotten that opened, the quakas all bare their fangs and just push at the door and start rushing out, beginning to cause havoc in that big old mosh pit of skankers out in front of the stage. That's right. I forgot about them. They're like there. They can see us, right? Yeah. So the quakas, let's go ahead and make it their turn now. They are going to try and create an advantage for you guys. Uh, So they're going to create a big distraction so that you guys are able to get to the shipping containers more easily. So they're going to try and create an advantage uh, on the fact that this place is full of skankers and they're going to try and cause some mayhem. Wow, that is not good. They only rolled a minus two. Um, I'm going to spend one of my fate points on your behalf because I'm a kind and benevolent human and allow them to re-roll this, giving them a plus one. So they leap into this mosh pit full of skankers and they start just going to town on the Brotherhood of Brass and they're creating a big old distraction. So you guys now get a free invocation on the full of skankers aspect. Beautiful. So that is now going to bring us to Penny's Worth, your turn in the initiative. What would you like to do? Uh, So seeing how many skankers there are and looking at the knife I have that I'm unsatisfied with, I'm going to sprint uh, to the tables full of suitcases 
and just start wildly flipping them all open looking for any weapon that might be better than this knife. Preferably a gun if they left one in any of these suitcases, uh, but he'll take whatever he can get. All right, go ahead and roll to create an advantage then. And we'll say that you can do that, uh, make that quick because you're trying to do this before people notice you. I used a fate point to re-roll and got the same thing both times, so that's a zero. A zero. Uh, you could potentially get, uh, you have two free invocations on the they're not gonna use it aspect, so you could use one of those to bump that up to a plus two. Yes, that is, that's what I'll do. All right, so yeah, you look inside of there and you're digging through all of these suitcases and sure enough, you do find yourself a nice little handgun in there. Um, not a rifle or not an AR-15 or anything, uh, but it appears to be a decent sized caliber. It's a 44 pistol. Beautiful. Uh, okay, and then I will hide. These are these suitcases are up on like tables. Yeah, so there's this one large awning, if I recall correctly from what JP said, and there are tables underneath it. Um, now that I'm saying it out loud, it almost sounds like this is a farmer's market or something. <laughs> so we're just going to go with that image. It's a farmer's market full of loot from dead people in the outback. I am going to hide under one of the tables with my gun. All right. So let's have you, you know, actually, if it comes to it and they try and find you, then that'll be an opposed role. And it is now, in fact, the Brotherhood of Brass's turn. So they have just gotten attacked by these Quakas, and I'm going to roll for them to see, because um, we've got most of the attention is obviously on this situation over here. So I'm going to have the Brotherhood of Brass roll against a, let's say, plus five difficulty to see if they notice you guys. So, wow, they rolled a plus four. They did roll very, very well, but not well enough to notice you guys as opposed to these giant adorable creatures that are now covered with blood. So uh, <laughs> they all go rushing past you into the mosh pit. And as they do, that brings us to John Paisley. What would you like to do? Well, first, I just want to <clears throat> say that, you know, you, you were saying that this changes your out uh, outlook of how he looks like now that he has a gun. It's actually <laughs> a Smith and Weston that the person who sold him said that this was designed actually for women because it was easier to shoot. So he's not as <laughs> this is a cool guy as you think. He's just he just has one. <laughs> now, so you've got like a, a 22 pistol maybe like a Walther P-22 or something. So, so it's got kind of the James Bond look, but not a very high caliber. Yeah, but it's also got like on this, the, the, you have to really squeeze it to get it to shoot so that you don't accidentally shoot. <laughs> All right. Anyway, I'm going to be looking around for my boys, so I'm going to be checking some tents. Yeah, go ahead and let's make that clever. Clever or careful, I'll say we'll make that your choice. Oh, then that's a plus five. Oh, yeah. So... You start going around to the different tents, you're popping them open, and eventually you do manage to find, I mean, you definitely succeeded with style. So you pop open one of the tents and you look inside and you see Dave and Buster are sitting on like these thrones of junk food containers that they've constructed in this tent here. Uh, there's like, I don't know what kinds of junk food they have in Australia, but presumably there's like some crisps. They don't have a lot. <laughs> So it's it's just like cans of beets. I mean, that's the only other food that we talked about in regards to Vegemite. so far. Beets and Vegemite, <laughs> uh, which we've already proven that Dave and Buster are into both of those things. So they're they've like constructed these thrones out of cans of beets and jars of Vegemite, 
and they've got crackers that they're smearing the Vegemite on and they're just having a great time. There is an Xbox X that's been set up and they're currently playing some video games as they're just chowing down on root vegetables. And uh, as you pop open the door, uh, you look inside and you see them. Because you succeeded with style, you're also going to generate a boost. And the boost that I'm going to give you is my sons are in a good mood. So yeah, you pop into the door and that is what you see in front of you. Boys, boys, front and center. They look at you and Dave says, I don't know, dad, it's actually pretty cool here. Like you're kind of, I mean, you're not like into ska and you don't have a cool haircut and you don't have like a chain from your wallet and that kind of stuff. These guys are actually pretty dope and we kind of like the music. I don't know how far gone you have gone off this rail, but boys, so help me. We are getting out of here and we are going back to the United States where you can go back to school and you can go learn, and you can go play some American sports like baseball. None of this Xbox X or Vegemite. I mean, Dad, you did promise us that we could have a PlayStation 5. And that is more American. <laughs> the thing made in Japan is more American than the thing invented by Microsoft. <laughs> John Paisley's not the brightest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh... Let's have you go ahead and roll to overcome their desire to stay with the ska band. We're going to put that at a plus two difficulty. And remember, you've got that boost of your boys being in a good mood. Flat zero. Flat zero. So yeah, Dave and Buster, yeah, they say, nah, man, I'm pretty sure that Xbox is actually pretty awesome. And Vegemite, I don't know what people are talking about. People say it's gross, but it kind of rules. So I think I'm good here. Um, I'd like to come in and say, listen, you boys, I don't think you guys appreciate your father and what a cool human being he is. I just saw him like bust open a lock and he like did some really cool stuff. And honestly, like if I were 20 years younger, I'd probably want him to adopt me. He's so cool. So, uh, you guys should listen to your dad. All right, so with Fred Feller offering his help action to John Paisley, you get a plus one to that role, and that is enough to convince Dave and Buster that, you know, while Ska is cool, maybe not being in mortal peril is also cool. So uh, they each grab a couple jars of Vegemite and put them in their pockets, and they come running out after you. Now we got the boys. I don't see any reason that we need to stay here. We just need to find some sort of transportation. Maybe we can steal one of their war machines and get out of here. Let's go check out the uh, the storage containers. That looks like, you know, we saw mechanics going in there. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe they're over there. And I book it. All right, so you guys go rushing off towards the shipping containers, and when you arrive, uh, I'm going to roll to see what the results of the situation are. Gentry has used the free invocation on the what spoils has the Brotherhood gathered aspect, and when you arrive, you see that there are three guards of the Brotherhood of Brass who are lying unconscious on the ground, and Gentry is standing in the middle of them with that shank in his hand. And he's breathing heavily and he says, Okay, guys, okay, we can get in and we can figure out what's inside there. I just stare at amazement at the scene. Why did any of you guys even, like, ask for a tour guide for this trip? You guys are all way more capable than I am. That brings us to Pennysworth McScrooge. I continue hiding. <laughs> all right. So everybody else has rushed off to the containers. So now that uh, this has kind of become your MO, let's have you roll to create an advantage uh, as far as being hidden. Do I add anything to it? Let's have you roll sneaky. 
That's going to be a plus four. Plus four. Yeah. So not only are you hidden, but you get two free invocations on that aspect. Okay. That brings us now back around to the Brotherhood of Brass. Uh, we're going to see you know, how things are faring between the Brotherhood and the Quakas. So I'm going to start with the Quakas to see how well they're holding up against this big old burly mob. They rolled a plus three, but they are outnumbered by the mob who rolled a plus six, unfortunately. So they succeeded with style against the Quakas and have completely subdued them. A plus six? Yeah, they uh, rolled really, really well on that uh, because they had the area of relaxation, got their free invocation on that. They're nice and rested in this comfortable sheltered area. So they've used that to their advantage. My bad. <laughs> no worries. Uh, but yeah, Penny's Worth, as you look back out uh, into the mosh pit, you can see that all three Quakas have been bound, their paws tied tightly behind them, and they're wrapping rope around their muzzles. And you see that uh, the guy who originally had spoken to you when the Brotherhood of Brass first showed up, the guy with the hat with the gator teeth around the brim and with the big mask on his face. Uh, you have since learned that this guy's name is Voodoo Daddy, uh, the big bad Voodoo Daddy himself. <laughs> and he comes out and he's looking at these quakas and he says, Well, it appears that there's a bit of a revolt going on here. And he scans around. He's looking at the cages and he notices that both of them are empty. And he is going to see if he can figure out where you guys are. So he is going to roll with Clever to see if he can locate Penny's Worth, who's hidden underneath one of these tables. And unfortunately, that is only going to be a plus two. So Penny's Worth, since you are hidden, uh, you can use one of those free invocations to reduce his roll by two if you'd like. Yeah, 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 I'll do that. All right, he's looking around and he doesn't see where you're located but he starts whipping the other guys into a frenzy. He's like, hey, we got to find those people. They're, I don't know what they're going to do, but it's not going to be good. I can tell that. And he gathers up a group and they begin to start scouting the perimeter. And that is going to take us now to John. So I go and I look around to see if there's any workable vehicles that we can use. Yeah, so what you have discovered inside of these shipping containers is it looks like a dune buggy but it's been outfitted with a big old roll cage, some metal plating on the front for it to ram into things easier. There's a couple harpoon guns on the side and up on top, like a turret, is a big old flamethrower. So that's what you find in the first of these shipping containers. And in the other one, you see a larger vehicle, uh, more of a Hummer kind of looking thing. And it's similarly equipped with harpoons and a flamethrower. Uh, but this one also has like a giant wrecking ball on a crane coming out from the top of it. All right, boys, let's take this big giant one. And I, I if I've learned anything on this trip, maybe I need to trust you more. So I'm going to have you two sit on the harpoon cannons. And um, all right, Fred, why don't you take the, the flamethrower and um, Gentry? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you drive the thing? Oh, I can drive Hummers, don't you worry. I have experience in the Marines. Good man. Thanks, Dad. Uh, I, I, I mean, I mean, John. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> and I climb up onto the flamethrower. All right, and so I guess that leaves John in the wrecking ball. All right, let's just boogie out of here. All right, and so you start peeling out, and definitely people are starting to take notice of you. This is a very sort of flashy thing that you're doing. So we're going to, uh, John, go ahead, since you're trying to get out of this place, roll to overcome with Flashy. 
I'm gonna use my last fate point to get a plus two. Plus two, very nice. So you accomplish your goal. You bust your way out of there and you are driving through the crowd and they're scattering every which way around you. They're just freaked out. They have no idea what's happening, don't have enough time to react. And as you're driving, you're heading right past this tent uh, where Pennysworth is located. But we have Fred's turn first. Uh, what would you like to do? So we're driving, uh, peeling out. I am sitting in the flamethrower seat and I'd like to look around and see if there's anything that we're driving by that I could set a flame to cause some extra chaos. Yeah, so there is a couple of tents here and there. Uh, the one that would potentially cause the most tent is the one that has all of the loot that's been gathered from various people. Uh, the one that Pennysworth is currently hiding under, which you're not aware of. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of stuff there that could go up in flame. All right, that's what I do then. We're driving by that tent and I light it up. All right, roll to create an advantage with flashy. I'm going to use a fate point to... That was a flat zero, but I want to re-roll that. All right, that's a plus two. Very nice. So the uh, the aspect here has changed from they're not going to use it to they're definitely not going to use it because now it's on fire. And you can get a free invocation on that uh, if at any point you feel you can use that to your advantage. That now brings us to Pennysworth McScrooge. Suddenly there's a big old inferno that erupts all around you and you can see your friends driving in your direction on this war machine. Oh, I can see that it's them? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, you've got, they're uh, hanging out of the turrets. Dave and Buster especially, they've like taken off their shirts and they're waving them around <laughs> in the wind. Just, <laughs> they're just having the time of their lives. Okay, good, because my gut instinct was going to be to shoot in the direction of the fire eruption. <laughs> So I'm going to just grab the first piece of clothing I see, light it on fire, and start spinning it above my head, standing up, screaming, Hey, 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 stop it, stop it! Yeah, you guys, uh, you notice that Pennysworth is there, and I'll say you can have your free action to stop and pick him up if you would like. Gentry, slow down, let him get on! And Gentry deliberates for a moment but he rolls a plus four to having a good conscience <laughs> and he slams his foot on the brake and they skid in front of you and do like one of those awesome sideways drifts and uh, the back door pops open right in front of you. Now excuse my language and get your butt up here, son. <laughs> I want to jump in and then turn around and can I see Voodoo Daddy? Is Voodoo Daddy Voodoo Master? Voodoo Daddy, yeah. Voodoo Daddy? <laughs> can I see him? Yeah, so in fact, it's not, It's going to be their turn right after this, and they've definitely noticed you uh, since you're out there just lighting things on fire. And he's currently running towards a war machine of his own. This one's a bit smaller. It's more of like a uh, UTV razor looking thing that just has a sort of Gatling turret on the front. I'm going to want to fire my gun at him. All right, go ahead and attack with... You know, I'm going to let you choose which approach you think would be most appropriate for the way you want to attack him. It really doesn't matter. I rolled a minus three. So uh, in total, let's say it's a minus two. Yeah. So you fire and he ducks behind his vehicle just in time that the bullet pings off the side and he gets inside. And now that it's his turn, he revs it up and he's going to start giving chase. Can I yell something to my teammates once more before my turn ends? Yeah. As I take that shot, I'm going to scream back, we have to save the Quokas. 
All right. So you hop inside and Voodoo Daddy starts driving towards you and he is going to try and attack your war machine with his war machine. He's going to attack with Forceful. Wow. He rolls a plus six. So we're going to have you guys defend and we'll make this flashy as well because that's the way that things are going lately. So any of you who would like to, you can go ahead and roll to defend with flashy. Plus two from Fred. Plus two from Penny's Earth. And plus one. All right. So we'll take one of the plus twos and we'll say that the other two were using your help actions to add on top of that, which brings it up to a plus four. And any of you can still throw a fate point on top of this to bring it up to a tie. Or if you want to throw in two fate points, you could bring it up to a plus eight and successfully defend against him. I got no fate points. I still have two fate points. I'll, I'll throw in both of them. All right. So in just a feat of absolute bravery, trying to prove to himself that he really can be rougher than the roughs, we'll say you toss in one for that. And what's the other aspect that you'd like to invoke to toss in your second fate point? Can I invoke the, uh, they're really not going to use it as a part of that? Yeah. So as you're driving through, you like turn to Gentry and you point towards the flaming farmer's market of loot and he knows what's going on and he drifts through it and uh, you guys duck down beneath the armored plating of the war machine and there's bits of burning debris flying all around you as you're skidding through. It's just spraying up into the air. The kind of thing that would make a special effects manager's just... They would feel it in their budget as they're going through, just creating this massive explosion. And with all of that distraction going into it, Voodoo Daddy's kind of taken aback and his firing from his Gatling turret goes shooting up into the sky and you guys have successfully defended against him. That is going to bring us to the end of Voodoo Daddy's turn and John, you're up. I turn to Penny's Worth and I say, those Quakas, they fought well, but we got to get out of here. And I, um, I don't know, I guess I just... Gentry, forward. Can I yell something on his turn, Ned? Sure. I just heard it yell, Gentry, would a Marine leave someone behind? Gentry, don't answer that and just keep moving. I'm going to have Gentry roll to see. You know what? Uh, Let's have Fred Feller make an argument as well. And then I'm going to roll to see whose argument he likes the most. Uh, they're really, really cute. All right. So if I roll a plus or a blank, he's going to want to try and save the Quakas. If I roll a minus, it's every man for himself, and he's going to try and drive out of there. It is blank. So he looks at John and says, I'm sorry, but Mr. McScrooge is right for the first time since I've known him. And he starts driving in the direction of the Quakas. And uh, as he's doing that, he says, I'm sorry, Mr. McScrooge, that was really rude. I just have a lot of angst that's kind of like pent up inside me right now. And uh, yeah, he is heading straight towards the Quakas. Uh, John, is there anything else that you would like to do with your action? Boys, if you see a shot, you take it. (laughs) So we'll say that's going to give the help action to Dave and Buster. And as they're driving into this area, where the Quakas are bound up. They aim their harpoons and they're gonna roll to attack the Brotherhood of Brass. The Brotherhood of Brass is going to defend. And so they currently have a plus two on the Brotherhood of Brass. 
but they are going to invoke that uh, free invocation on the full of skankers aspect that you got, and they're going to take it up over the top to succeeding with style. And so as they fire into the crowd, you see a couple of the Brotherhood of Brass get knocked down to the ground, and the other ones all just scatter out of the area as the war machine comes rolling in, and all of the quakas get up to their feet, and their hands are still bound behind their backs, and their muzzles are still bound, but they're kind of scampering towards you, and it's it's just the most, like, divisive emotion looking at these cute, wonderful, adorable little creatures covered in blood as they're just hopping their way towards you. That is going to bring us to Fred Feller. Uh, hopping their way towards us, I am going to jump off and cut them all loose. Go ahead and we'll say roll to overcome. This will just be kind of a standard. Uh, we'll put that at a plus two difficulty and go ahead and roll with forceful. Oh, that's only a plus one. Man. Yeah, that would be a failure or you can succeed at a serious cost. I will succeed at a serious cost. All right. You leap down, and as you try and catch yourself to duck and roll, you land on your foot the wrong way, and you hear a snap, and you go down to your knees. But pulling yourself along, you take one of your sharp knives, and you manage to cut all the quakas free. So you now have the consequence of broken leg, but the quakas, out of gratitude, are going to pick you up, and they're going to drag you back towards the war machine as they all clamber up on top of it. (laughs) Oh, man. It's like a dog sled, and I'm just dragging in the dirt behind. Oh, ow, ow, oh, thank you, ow. (laughs) So now everybody is on the war machine here, and Pennysworth, it is your turn. If we're all on the war machine, I'm just going to turn and say, Gentry, punch it. That'll give a plus one to Gentry's roll here, and he's going to roll with Flashy because that's the order of the day. And as he's driving off, Voodoo Daddy is going to try and take one final parting shot against you as a reminder of his ire. And as you're speeding off into the distance, the Quakas are cheering, uh, they're high-fiving, and the leader of the Quakas, uh, who had been initially speaking to Bingo Dingo, says, Guys, today turned out quite of all right after all. And then his body goes rigid as you hear gunfire coming from Voodoo Daddy's war machine. Oh no. And the quokka falls backwards. <sighs> Keep going, quokka. I jump down there and I uh, hold the quokka's head in my hand and kind of lift up his body a little bit. Uh, hey, hey, come on, come on. Come on, we can help you. Stay with me, stay with me. And I start like kind of shaking him a little. And he looks up in your eyes And he says, hey, it was a pretty good time that we had. I mean, you were kind of a jerk, but you've turned into a good person. And I appreciate that. (laughs) And he reaches up and he strokes your face with one of his paws and gives a little pat before it goes limp. Pennysworth, no one can see his face. He just kind of stays there, head slunk for a minute. And Gentry calls back, come on, Mr. McScrooge, we got to get out of this place. Go, go, Gentry, drive. And so you guys head off into the wastelands, the smoke from your war machine mingling with the dust that you're kicking up behind you, also mingling with the smoke rising from the war camp of the Brotherhood of Brass, and you continue to head towards the shore, to the ocean, towards civilization, and in front of you, you still see 
that strange, ethereal, radiant light glowing throughout the sky on the horizon. And that is where we are going to leave off on this episode of Improv Tabletop. Wow, that was an exciting time. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We will be back next week with the thrilling conclusion of our adventures in the world of The Fallout Back. If you want more of this, go ahead and subscribe. Maybe even give us a review. We would be just as as happy as a quokka who has seen his friend turn into a man if you would give us a positive <laughs> review on the podcatcher of your choice. In addition to you know being on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this, we're also on Twitter at Improv Tabletop. If you'd like to suggest either a setting for us to play in or an aspect for one of our characters to use, tweet about us using hashtag ImpTab setting or hashtag ImpTab aspect. Uh, let's go ahead and do a round of plugs. Uh, it, it has come to my attention that maybe some of the things that I say during this uh, during this segment are true and maybe some of them are false. If you go to our website, improvtabletop.com, there's a list of which ones are real and which ones are fake, just for your edification. So, for instance, I Cast Fireball, that's a real podcast you can listen to, but that thing about me, you know, selling all of my books that I had when I was a child, that's not entirely true, unfortunately. I know that some of you were really eager to get your hands on all of my Calvin and Hobbes comics that I had when I was in elementary school, but, you know, that's life. Yeah, if you go to improvtabletop.com, a real website, uh, you can find that list of things. Uh, Caleb, what you got going on? Today, I would like to put in a plug for my wife. She has a soap business uh, where she sells real soap that she makes, and it's really cool. It's called Book Lovers Soaps. It's amazing. I use it every single day, and she does cool book themes. So like a while back, she had like a Peter Pan soap and a Captain Hook soap. Right now, she's got a Captain Nemo soap that's almost gone. There's uh, the Jane Austen Emma. It's called Seaside Honeymoon is the... Anyway, they're really pretty soaps, and they're amazing. They do really good things for your skin. If you use soap, go check it out. Uh, Bookloversoaps.com. Yeah, it's been kind of cool. Like, uh, we have a bunch of people in our D&D group outside of Improv Tabletop that are buying these soaps. And so, like, my friend Thomas, whenever I go over to his house, if I need to use their bathroom, boom, there's a bunch of soaps that Caleb's wife made sitting there uh, by their sink. And it's pretty cool. Evan, what you got going on? I'm just fine to hear that some of you guys were plugging fake things. I don't really... <laughs> I mean, my my performance art is uh, completely legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Last we left off, you were going to glue 150 lilies to your chest and walk through a bunch of bees. How'd that go? That uh, was a bonding experience with nature. I'll tell you what. And I promise this sounds like it might be in my head, but I feel like honey tastes sweeter now after that experience. <laughs> um, but to prove uh, dedication to my loyal supporters uh, and to the legitimacy of my art, um, this week I won't tell any of you what I'm doing or where I'm doing it. You just have to solve the code. And if you're wondering where the code is, that's part of the code. Well, I'm sure that we will all be just riveted, eager to hear what the code is and how that all turns out. Uh, JP, what you got going on? 
Well, um, speaking of wives who have talent, um, my wife is going to be starting a Etsy shop uh, called Second Star Studio Arts, and she's going to be making nerd-themed earrings and cosplay props, and she's just starting out now, so uh, she's got a Instagram if you want to follow. It's uh, Second Star Studio Arts, and uh, yeah, when more comes out, um, I'm sure I'll let you all know. Right on. Well, once again, thanks for joining us here in the world of the Fall Outback. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by Caleb Anderton, the absolute fraud. Evan Peterson, war never changes. Justin Porter, the most bad dad you can think of. (laughs) Uh, Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next week on Improv Tabletop.